Hello and happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of The Healing Home. I'm your host, Michelle, and today I am super excited and honored to have my guest, Chance Garten of The Interverse Podcast. Chance is one of my favorite people, and I am so excited and grateful that I've got to meet him and, and have been getting to know him over the past almost year now. And he is just such an inspiration to me. And I'm just very, very stoked to have him in the healing home tonight. And we're going to be talking about his sound healing practice, maybe a little bit about how he got into it, what excites him about it. And also, I wanted to just pick his brain a little bit about his journey as a content creator, because Chance himself has been at this game for almost a decade now. And that's one of the things about him that inspires me so much, because he is just one of those people he you can tell he's a go getter, and he's always thinking and he's always on his toes. And I'm just so grateful to have him in my life. Chance, he's an entrepreneur, a sound healer, an artist, student of the great mysteries, and a, the talented host of his weekly shows, The Interverse Podcast and Vibrant. So without further ado, wel well, help me welcome Chance into the healing home. Hello, my friend. Oh, you're muted. I okay. feel super welcome. Thank you, Michelle. It's uh, really great to be in your house for a change. You have graced my channel with many appearances and your knowledge has been invaluable and all the kind things you said about me i feel the same way about you i highly admire your knowledge and your positive spirit and you are very supportive to everybody in our budding community and i'm glad that we're buds so thank you for having me <laughs> i feel really happy about this i'm looking forward to our talk yeah, thanks, man. I it really I can't even sometimes express in words how I'm so grateful for you and the community that you've created. I mean, basically kind of seemingly from the ground up, correct? I think they did it. I just was making videos. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, it's it's really awesome. And I, there's just so many beautiful minds and beautiful people, beautiful hearts um, that are all around together. So it's it's something beautiful. That's for sure. So. It wouldn't yeah. be anything without the awesome guests like yourself who come on and teach us. So I'm, you know, I learned how to drive the live stream pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a few topics that I'm knowledgeable about, and I love to talk about those things. I, I have general knowledge about a lot of things, but overall, it is a group effort. Sometimes the one in the host chair kind of gets like the accolades because their house or whatever. But again, I'm none of what I have managed to achieve as an entrepreneur would have been possible without uh, many, many, many people, hundreds of people at this point coming on and sharing their spirit, their passion for what it is that they want to talk about. And ultimately that's what inspired me to do it, to become a podcaster was I wanted to capture, if I could, that magic of people who are doing what they feel authentically called to do on a soul level and making that their livelihood somehow or managing to do that while holding on, you know, not going broke. <laughs> I wanted to know, like, how how does one actually transition from normie job on the Kronos uh, hamster wheel, rat race, etc.? How do you transition from that into an authentic and spirit-led life where creativity is daily, regular, is <laughs> it's your spiritual practice? and your vocation like how do you combine those things and turned out nobody could actually tell me how to do that <laughs> but then there's a point where you just keep going and you make an eventual leap of faith whether 
you know, you've been flapping your arms for years to get them strong before you take the leap of faith or you just go for it. What I have learned and now that I've, you know, done the leap of faith myself, what I've learned are some of the secrets, if you will, that I was looking for from other people that I feel like maybe you don't get to hear or you don't get to realize until you're ready for that. So no matter who you ask or what you look at, you're never going to know until you know, because I think knowledge, all knowing really is remembering. And that remembering happens whenever we have more wholeness and coherence in our personal energy field. I heard, I heard the greatest statement, hyperbolic, I get it, but like a very great statement from Owen Benjamin. And he said, the full armor of God is keeping your own energy in your own battery. (laughs) I was like, that's it. Because the more of your own energy you have in your own battery, you just know stuff. You remember stuff that you spiritually know. Maybe you figured it out in previous lifetimes or it's just innate to being a being that certain dynamics of how life and energy flow are known to us because we are life and we are energy. But whenever you don't have that juice in your own battery, it's like every drop of juice that (laughs) you don't keep in your own battery that you feed to vampires and you self-victimize playing the role of the empath who's been wounded by all the bad men and bad ladies, uh, each drop of that juice that you lose is like an epiphany, you know? <laughs> and there've been times in my life where I totally recognize that, where I'm like, I, I, I come to a realization, I have the epiphany and I'm like, wait, I've had this epiphany like three times, but when my energy dips lower than a certain point, it's like that information is not accessible. I'm not at that frequency for a you know lack of a better metaphor. So I feel like I'm at a pretty good frequency nowadays. <laughs> And there's always more balancing to do and more growth and getting stronger and getting smarter. But overall, that's kind of a nutshell uh, introduction. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you asked me something. <laughs> no, that was beautiful that that you did exactly where I was going to want to take us <laughs> was how you got your start here and what inspired you to just be on the path of being a content creator. And, you know, I loved what you said about the energy and it like when you're leaking energy, you're just on, you're like unable to be present. And I think that's the biggest thing is just the presence of mind. That's so important in everyday life, whether you're working at a job or you're trying to do your own thing or whatever, if you're not present, you know, that's like more than half the battle in my opinion. And as a person who had to kind of, you know, had to like really learn some hard lessons in order to learn that, um, I'm just even more grateful for the opportunity to be present. And it, I feel like it's, um, I find it easier to be present nowadays. Whereas when I was more distracted, uh, didn't want to have to deal with the hard things in life. You know, uh, it, it think if you're not ready to deal with the hard things in life, life just gets harder. <laughs> what do you know? It's like really this really weird, funky thing. And it usually takes somebody else Um, to kind of help you acknowledge those things, somebody that might be someone you could look up to or someone that's looking out for you to maybe bring these things into your attention. Because when you are checked out and when you're so much in the mindset of projecting and worrying about the future or whatever it is, you're like so unpresent, you're not even able to like take a second to gather your thoughts to figure out where the heck you are. So, yeah. What you said is accurate because your energy is your consciousness. So if you are low energy... If your body is constantly just fighting to stay in homeostasis, Mm -hmm. you are going to be more distracted. 
Uh, you know, just think about that word, distracted. It's like traction. The rubber is not meeting the road between your feelings, becoming thoughts, becoming actions. And that's a big thing you see in the biofield a lot, especially with root chakra energy problems, which is that mental energy is like spinning up here, but it is not getting to physicality for whatever reason. Now, what you said, too, about sometimes it takes somebody else to come pull you out of the stupor. You know, what I find is that you actually... No one can pull anybody out of a stupor. <laughs> I'm not negating your statement, but just like I've tried with family members and, you know, I've thought about all the different strategies of like how we shake them by the shoulders, slap them, wake up, wake up. Seems like the only way that you can really get somebody to, you know, get a clue is by making it fun. So you know, you tell them what they're doing wrong. They don't want to hear that, especially if they're already in a distracted state. So my only, <laughs> that's my only caveat to add to what you said, which is that nobody's going to pull you out of whatever funk you're in, but you, nobody is going to flip your couch around and help you understand your obstacles and challenges are actually your path. They are guideposts on your path. They are the court. The obstacles are the course. It's an obstacle course. Doesn't that make your inner child happy to know that? <laughs> But if you're looking at every possible challenge that comes up is like, oh, now I have to take care of this and then I have to take care of that. And then that's when it piles on because you're avoiding and you're avoiding because you're trying to stay where you're at, trying to stay comfortable. But there is no such thing as staying where you're at. Everything keeps moving. And if you are holding fast in stasis, nature abhors that and it starts to break down, you know, leave something in the forest, leave it staying still. And <laughs> what happens is like fungus growing on it and starts breaking down. Like a badger comes by and takes a bite of it, whatever. It's like not happening. You're not staying still and you're not staying comfy. And, you know, that's the other thing is once you get your mindset around wrapped around the challenges as being, this is like the quest, you know, if you're playing a video game. <laughs> do you just want to like stand? I'm not saying life is a video game, but as a metaphor, do you want to just stand there in the field and like look around and take a break? <laughs> or do you want to go do a quest? Do you want to level up? And I feel like it actually does help a lot to look at life that way, to look at your challenges as opportunities. They're only opportunities and kind of just rewrite the whole script for yourself. And then if that's how you approach life where everything is fun and you're constantly funning and work isn't even necessarily in your vocabulary and you stop being busy, but you're productive and you're present, you know, then people want to take note and ask you questions about how, how are you doing that? <laughs> and then they want to pick your brain and then that might help somebody pull out in the mud. But if the, what we're modeling to the rest of the world is like that our challenges are roadblocks and we're stuck on them or we don't like them or upset about them, uh, they definitely don't want to know what we think about health. <laughs> so I think that's kind of like the key is to know that you can't pull anybody else out of it and nobody can pull you out of it. You have to make the decision. But that's the beautiful thing is like, it's very rooted in the decision, even if you don't know how you're going to do it. If you're just if you adamantly decide, like, I am changing X about myself, I am improving Y about myself, I'm going to do it or I'm going to get past this seemingly insurmountable obstacle. <laughs> Think about everything that ever was hard in your life. You locked your keys in your car. You don't know. You know, you have no solution for that. How many how many times did the keys get out of the car and you got where you needed to go? Every time. 
every time. So like, right. if you just look at every time that there's a new challenge or new obstacle, you're like, oh, keys are locked in the car. Got to get the keys out of the car. Got to find my keys. <laughs> it's always going to happen. But if you're just like, oh, I don't want to take care of it. I don't want to do it. Well, you'll be there until you decide to get the keys out of the car. <laughs> and then you can go on again. So uh, that's what I feel about that. <laughs> no that's beautiful because you're totally right it's good to clarify the you know no one else is going to dig you out of your hole i guess when i said that i it's almost like sometimes somebody has to like either point something out to you to make it obvious that like hey dude you're doing that and if you want to be better you should probably think about maybe doing it this way as opposed to that way and sometimes when someone else brings something up, it can help. But there are a lot of times when you could say everything to somebody that is just like sinking and they're never going to change. I guess like from my perspective, I always have the um, the outlook of Mario <laughs> because he was the person that would help me to see things that I where my holes maybe were. And I it would it would stop me in my tracks and I'd be like, OK, he's right. Like I do do that. Now let's work on that. Let's think about it. But not everybody comes at it from those perspectives. You know, no one, not everybody. It's so good to have the conscious partner. It really is. And if you are willing to actually, if you're not going to get butthurt that somebody is going to be like, okay, look, here's what I observed about the energy dynamics of you just now. If you look at that and you're like, oh, wow, I would, because you're going to miss things that you have just put on your default setting. And yeah, you're very lucky to have that with Mario. I'm very lucky to have that with my Jennifer. So we're we're in good shape. It's like really helpful, actually. <laughs> but if your mindset is like all obstacles are bad and if there, I'm only I'm I'm already fine how I am and there's nothing I can improve or I don't want to, then that's when it gets frictiony uh, with relationships, too, because like there's always going to be ways to balance and make the energy flow better. It is so helpful to have a a partner that is, you know, that you haven't intimidated out of (laughs) ever being able to give you some kind of constructive criticism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. It's it's the it's like the greatest gift. And I swear it's the gift that keeps on giving. And so I'm just so grateful for that and grateful to hear that you and Jenny have that going on and everything else, because, dude, yeah, I mean, tough love. Tough love is seriously one of the greatest gifts that has come into my life. (laughs) And I feel like uh, if you can't, uh, if you're not able to just be able to listen to that constructive criticism, yeah, there's going to be issues that arise. But, you know, it is what it is. So with all, all that aside, in terms of your sound healing practice, when did you start to become interested in sound healing and how did you get started with it? This is great because I want people to come away from this conversation, not looking at me like, wow, he's a magical sound healer guy. He really knows sound. He understands frequencies and he has the occult esoteric knowledge and special powers. No, (laughs) no, I really want people to come out of this with like, I could do that. I could be doing that because at what point in history did like every man know how to change the oil in the car? All right, now raise your hand if you can change the oil. I can, but I've never done it. I mean, I don't know if I, I I can. I know that I can, that I'm capable, but I have not done it. I don't have the neurons connected and the memory pathways. And like, you know, I'm not currently someone that does that. (laughs) But 
I could do it. And so I, I feel the same way about tuning. Like it's like an oil change for your body, for your biofield. And I think we could all learn how to be putting this stuff to practice. So I was able to, uh, okay, I started this in 2019. I think that's where really the journey began for me. I heard Eileen Day McCusick, who I always have to, I have to stress that like, if you are even slightly interested in energy and sound and <laughs> things we're talking about today, go check out Eileen Day McCusick's YouTube channel. Her books are incredible. So the first one is called Tuning the Human Biofield. That one is great if you want to learn how the process works in depth and kind of hear about Eileen's journey to discovering the uh, the method. And then her second book is Electric Body, Electric Health. And you can find some great conversations with me and Eileen on my channel on Interverse. She's a personal hero of mine. <laughs> and so I, I heard her on, I think, the Higher Side Chats, maybe before that, possibly as early as like 2017 or 2018. But then I heard her on Crow and I had heard of her before. So I know I heard her somewhere else, but heard her on Crow in 2019. And something was just like there were bells going off in my brain. Like, this is it. Check into this. Do the check this out, <laughs> you know, and I, I I've explored alternative modalities. I've, you know, I'm an avid podcast consumer, like probably most people in the community. And not everything that I hear about is just like shooting uh, an alarm bell in my in my consciousness like check this out and that was it was like huge so uh you know listen to those when they come in <laughs> you know go explain go explore it and i i got her book i read it pretty fast the first book and i start i got myself a set of tuning forks and this is all in 2019 but actually let me back up before i got a set of tuning forks i got a sonic slider i've told this story before but i will retell this because this is a really important part of the story so this is a sonic slider. It's a weighted tuning fork. You can get one at the Biofield Tuning Store. And, you know, if you're going to be doing work on yourself or a loved one or a pet, this is like you could do everything you need with just this tool. Even though it's a weighted fork and you don't hear it audibly, it's for putting on the body directly. You could even tune somebody's Biofield with this. Because I watched Eileen doing it at Music and Sky Festival. She was tuning people with a slider. And I was like, wow, I guess that makes sense. Because I've tuned people in places where it's too loud for me to even hear the forks. It's not about the audible sound at all. There's nothing about the process that necessitates like physical atoms being vibrated by energy waves or any of that. <laughs> it's, a, it's like... Kind of wild at that level because it gives you some experiential knowledge of the all is mind principle of hermeticism. But anyway, I, I first got a sonic slider because I wanted to do some work on a shoulder injury I had. And she talked about how it's good for healing injuries. It's good for so many things, really anything. And I'd had this persistent left shoulder problem. Uh, it was really both shoulders, but definitely the left shoulder. And we can talk about shoulders in the biofield because that's one of the most common things that people run into. And when I tell people like what their shoulder injury means on the emotional level, they're always just like, of course, <laughs> I definitely do that. <laughs> uh, so I got, I had been rock climbing, right? And I thought that it was rock climbing's fault that I had a hurt shoulder. I was still in the mindset that things just happen. <laughs> they, they know sometimes you stub your toe and you break your foot and you hurt your shoulder and these things just happen and they are meaningless other than 
the story of how it happened, which is that I was rock climbing. Little did I know. <laughs> so got the slider. I'd been hurt for like four or five months. I was unable to lift my arm above my shoulder level. I couldn't get my hand over my head. I got this sonic slider, put it on the shoulder, like hit it. Oops. Hit it, put it on the shoulder. Just like that. Probably like for five minutes, about two or three times a day. And by the third, like, so no more than like 10 or 15 minutes of actually using it. Did that by the third day. <clears throat> actually, the pain got better like the first day. But by the third day, I had full range of mobility again. And I was like, I couldn't believe it because I had had such a problem that I had quit climbing. I would take like a, a week, then two weeks, then a month off from climbing. And then I'd come back and I'd be like, this is still messed up. It's not getting any better. And we got to address James from Family Fun Guys uh, comment here about lymph. We really should address that. Um, remember lymph, Michelle. All right. I'll remember. I can, okay. I can actually put it up on the screen too. So that. <laughs> okay, cool. You remember. It might take me a little bit to circle around to it, but let's just put okay. a post-it note on our brains for that. So. All right. We'll remember. Yeah. So again, uh, take like a month off climbing and it still wasn't getting any better. And I within days was was able to raise my arm over my head within a week i was like back in the gym doing full workout routines that involved the shoulder all full use of shoulder so it was like fixed i couldn't believe it little did i know <laughs> that by addressing this issue with my shoulder it forced it forced the issue of the uh, emotional situation to come to a resolution as well which I actually was did at the time did not think I wanted that. <laughs> so with the left shoulder, okay, it was my left shoulder with the left shoulder. We're really talking about, you know, issues of about uh, uh, everything at the shoulder level, honestly has to do with issues with boundaries, but like to put it in a, in a very simple way, the left shoulder is like, or the right shoulder. Let's start with that. The right shoulder. Cause most people are right side dominant. The most simple way to understand shoulder injuries is like, who are you carrying? You're carrying somebody over your shoulder. You're doing their work for them. You're carrying them. On the left side, it's more like you're carrying their emotions, their feelings. Uh, and so with the, you know, what was going on with my particular shoulder injury had to do with feeling constantly defensive against the negative energy of my my then partner and feel and absorbing all that. You know, she was very... uh traumatized from certain things you know i was in the position of like if i just try hard to fix her everything will be fine and classic, i'm not saying she's classic. i'm not saying now that she's broken i'm just saying like there's something to understand that whenever you are in this posture of feeling constantly attacked by other people's negative energy it has a lot to do with the fact that you're choosing the role of victimized empath versus psychic vampire so and i had issues going on with both shoulders it was just worse on the left and i think that's because i'd also like um recently gone through some loss of family members like grandmothers and so there was like that's also a left side of the shoulder thing more on the front which is stuck sadness stuff grief loss etc and that correlates to more areas than just the shoulder the shoulder is sort of like the boundary between the heart chakra and throat chakra so there's a lot of overlap with those and in terms of grief and sadness, that really, the lungs really hang on to that too. Not just your physical heart, 
but I'm kind of getting into tangents. So I, <laughs> I did this tuning on my left shoulder with this sonic slider, fixed it up. And then, you know, within a few, within a few months, I was single, you wow. know, like, yeah. Wow. And it had been a lot, a very long-term relationship. So, um, you know, you, if you fix the physical <laughs> problems, the emotional problems are going to sort themselves out. The interpersonal relationship problems are going to sort themselves out and you're going to have the throughput and the juice to do what's best and right for yourself. And on the other side, if you sort out the emotional problems and the interpersonal relationship problems, the injuries will get better. So I think that's why we have this like system of mind, body, spirit, so that if you get stuck in one of those areas of that triangle, you can advance in a different area and get past the blockage where you felt stuck. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That's beautiful. And uh, we'll get to lymph because I'm very interested in that as well. And lymph is one of my, and I think everybody should pay attention to it. But I think, um, I don't know, it's just always something I'm really uh, looking at, especially my own body. But I'm glad we started with the shoulder because I have um, my right shoulder. I've had an injury since probably 2000 and it was probably two, it was 2005 when it happened. And ever since then have not really I've been able to strengthen it by like, you know, working out and lifting weights and stuff like that. But it's never I've never been able to get it back to like my regular normal shoulder. Um, so anyway, I did want to ask you about shoulders and I've heard you talk about it before. But so, Michelle. Yeah. Are you an angry person? I would say no. But I would say when the injury happened, I'd say I was. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, I'm going to use this as an example that the right side of the heart chakra area and the shoulder being the borderline between throat and heart, really a crossover, they sort of merge there. What you're dealing with with that shoulder is holding back aggression and assertiveness and unexpressed anger. So at that time, you probably, it sounds like you had reasons to be angry, but you probably, you were holding it in. Most of us do that because we think, oh, angry people don't, uh, or angry people aren't cool. <laughs> I don't like to be around angry people. I'm not an angry person. But the irony of that is when we set up that belief is I don't get angry. Angry people suck. What happens is universe will then present us with angry people all over. And they're going to be like trying to poke, pop your bubble and get in. <laughs> you know, that's like metaphorically, like that's the energy of yourself that you are rejecting that is trying to come back and join with you. And it's doing it by like, are you sure you don't get angry? I'm going to try really hard to piss you off. <laughs> and so what I have noticed is, you know, one of the beautiful things about working with your working with energy and seeing your injuries and your emotional problems is like tied together and all the stuff in, in this realm of like whole, truly holistic healing is that you find that your family, your immediate family is also a reflection of your energy field. I'm not saying this is a hundred percent thing and everybody makes their own choices, including family members, but I've noticed that families uh, heal together. <laughs> you know, like if you alter the way that dynamics work for your energy, you'll notice it in your family. So for me, for example, when I was a kid, our family would bottle up anger and then they'd dump that bottle out on somebody. <laughs> yeah, same here. Same here. And so now, though, I've noticed that, you know, I'm 
I'm I'm I'm sure I still have work to do on this, but I'm more able to just in the moment when something it angers me, just to like, you know, hey, chirp it, whoever it was, tell them why I didn't like it and why it sucked, and then I forget about it in one second. But if you don't chirp at them when they <laughs> piss you off and you just like you, you just feel the pissed off, but you just don't say anything. That is what adds up. And that's what starts to wear down in the heart chakra region, the throat chakra, shoulder, thyroid, et cetera. So, you know, I um, have noticed that since I've worked on myself in this way and continually do so, that my family members, my mom, my dad, my sister, they don't blow up at each other like they used to. They will still make each other mad. But whenever somebody makes somebody mad, they tell them why <laughs> the person hears them and is like, you know, maybe they do or don't agree that that they did something wrong. But everything's out in the open and it's expressed at that time. And then nobody like bottles and it doesn't come back around later and explode. So there's a place for anger. It's super important. We could talk more about anger if we wanted. But just with your right shoulder, it's probably related to holding back assertive energy, aggressive energy, anger energy. So, you know, what I would do if I was you <laughs> is I, I would set up like a little time for myself to, you know, and this strategy can work for anything at any point in your life. But since you know when it happened and you know some of the dynamics in your life that maybe were uh, bringing in anger that wasn't getting expressed at that time, if you could guide yourself through a type of meditation where in your mind's eye, you go and meet Michelle circa 2005. And you see her <laughs> as you see yourself now in as much acceptance and love as possible. And you talk to her in your mind and ask her what was what's wrong. Are you angry? What are you angry about? And then listen to Michelle from 2005 tell you everything that she was angry about and not expressing until she gets it all out. And then authentically appreciate and love her. <laughs> Accept that she was angry. Do not deny, do not say that she was wrong or bad, you know, accept the wholeness and beauty of her as she was in that moment. And then, you know, see what happens from there with the shoulder. Because I think that there's this fascinating thing that happens with stuck energy in our biofield. There's another way you can look at it is it's actually fragments of yourself that you left behind. And they almost, I say almost, but it's like kind of literal that <laughs> if, if the stuck energy is compartmentalized enough and there's enough of it it's almost like it's almost like you actually have a copy of yourself from the age where it was happening that lives on the psychic plane and is like you know i think what people see as demonic attachments is really that <laughs> that it's like fragments of themselves from a certain age and those fragments are stagnant Stagnants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, totally. Wow. Thank you for that. And that's a beautiful um, meditation idea. And I'm totally going to do it because I know that there's like, I always uh, like will blame the, um, you know, oh, it's the uh, um, rotator cuff. Like I tore a ligament. I can tell because it like pops out, you know, when I do certain movements. But I just, I'm always just thinking about what this means. And I've thought about that moment and all those things, but that, that meditation will help me to go through that. Cause that's really beautiful to kind of just like accept yourself as who you were in that moment. That's beautiful. I love it. And what it works for so many things. Uh, oh, it's I believe pretty it. common that I actually do 
lead people back to like a traumatic, you know, I had, there was a client that had had an abortion when they were like 14 and needed to be guided back to meet that version of themselves and send them love. Cause that version was like a really fragmented fragment, <laughs> man. It was like, there was a lot of self-loathing tied up in that fragment. And, um, that can be one of those powerful parts of a session. And that's not even the forks aren't even an aspect of that. The forks, you know, to be really clear about tuning in my, my opinion, it is not really about the sound healing you. The forks are like a detection tool <laughs> that help you find where and what, what and where and when. Right. And then we bring that into consciousness, bring that into awareness. And then it's really like, they are making a choice how they want to be from there and what they want to believe about themselves. You know, so honestly, <laughs> I, people come to my, come to me for sessions because they want to experience like sound healing. And I try to dress it up as much as I can, you know, put a lot of ceremony into it, not for a frivolous reason, but because all that, all that ceremony and all that preparation, it is intention energy that, amplifies things it's real it's like magic but you know if i if i needed to or if i just if somebody wanted to try it sometime i could do the whole process with just my hands and my voice i wouldn't even need a fork uh i've experimented with this and i can find the uh, i'm now at the point where i can find the stuck energy in someone's biofield with my hand just as easily as i can with a fork which is very interesting to me and i think other people could learn this too but, um, you know, maybe to wrap up that story of me getting into it, had huge changes in my life after finding out about the Sonic Slider. You know, I wound up single, got myself a set of forks, which which forks, why I picked what. We could talk about all that if we wanted to get into the nitty gritty. But it wasn't until um, the middle of the year last year that I started really taking on clients. But I spent from like, I spent a good chunk of 2020 and into 2021 experimenting with them, uh, practicing on people, learning what it's like to do tuning and getting comfortable with playing around in people's energy field and also working on myself. And it's really been this year that I've full time, I say full time, <laughs> you know, two, three, three or four sessions a week with clients and um, really looking forward to going into the future with this because a lot of this year was learning and that doesn't mean that I wasn't help. It wasn't helpful for people to go through the process with me. I think part of the leap of faith is knowing that the universe, God, life force, energy, the Supreme being, whatever you want to call it, isn't, you know, the big higher self is never going to present you with a, a mirror in the external reality. That's not actually a mirror. So what I mean by that is like, you're never going to get a scenario if you're okay. I don't know about people that are like shady and bad intentioned. I guess you'll get that in the mirror. But if you're truly intending to help, you know, what you're going to get in the mirror is who you can help. And you'll get, you know, maybe the next week you'll get people with new situations you've never encountered before, but it won't ever come until you're ready for those situations. And, and a lot of the time those situations will be, directly related to what you're working on in yourself at the time. And then it gets to a point where like you're no longer so much caught up in the mirror aspect of it. It becomes a little bit 
um, I won't say repetitious, but like you get to a point where you've seen a lot of what might happen, a lot of what people are dealing with. I always give people the metaphor of, you know, everybody's life story is unique. Everybody's special and different. But, you know, think about every masterpiece painting that's ever been painted. How many colors did they use? <laughs> you know, and right. that's it. So we're all composed of these emotional energies that have a certain spectrum to them. And we identify those with the chakras, but we're all way more tuning people, tuning a lot of people has shown me we're all way more similar than we are different. We're all dealing with the exact same types of issues, but with just different narratives attached to them. And a lot of times those aren't even all that different. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. And I love the, I always love the thought of just like, what you're presented with the things that you can handle God, the creator, whatever never gives you something that you can't handle. And that's something I always try and keep in mind when anything's happening in my life, good or bad, um, because you have to be able to have a balance. And what comes to mind when you're talking about how you like to practice this modality of healing is that you're a sound shaman. It's more than like, like that's what comes to mind because the, the, you know, the term sound healer can kind of be really broad. And I mean, we've talked about this. I've heard you talk about this, but it can, it kind of can be even become a trap that people fall into like in the new age movement. And then it becomes this whole woo thing. And it's almost like this label instead of actually doing actual genuine healing, which just from the way that you talk about it and what I know of you that you are actually really moving major, major energy for people. And it's not just this surface level, like oh, I'm a sound healer and this and that, and it can get really whimsical and just get lost, which would actually just create more damage <laughs> than anything else. You know, well, it leads to a lot of bypassing for sure. Totally, man. Just ignore, you know, I want to add like, to, to wrap up a thought real quick and then please mm -hmm. continue. But when I said that it gets a little more sort of mechanical or like repetitious in terms of, you're not getting into the mirror so deeply with, um, you know, whoever you're working with being in a direct reflection of what you're having problems with right then. I think that that's sort of like you get to a point of balance where I'm not saying it's perfection or anything. I'm not perfect or anything, but that you're doing more like, you know, your interface with the client is more like regular maintenance <laughs> for yourself rather than like, I got to heal this and I got to fix that. It's more like, okay, here's my dose of regular maintenance because when I'm, you know, when I am working with the client, especially in the preparation to really be in the zone, I have to keep myself in the zone. <laughs> so, you know, I tell people that when, you know, pricing wise, that's what they're paying for, not for just the hour of, of forks, but for me to be in the zone. There's a lot of stuff on the b before and after that people don't see that, you know, I stuff I would should should be doing for myself anyway, but that a lot of us struggle to do like our movement practices, like our meditation, like our grounding, et cetera. A lot of us struggle to do that because we're in a we're on the hamster wheel, <laughs> you know, we spend eight or 10 hours on the job. And now we don't feel like we have the juice to do an hour of Qigong or something or even 20 minutes of it. So my point being that the mirror aspect of it gets a little less directly personal as you go on and becomes more like regular maintenance. Like you're, I'm just washing the windows, <laughs> you know, and they got some stuff on them. Keep washing them. Cause you're never going to get a point where you're like, I'm done with healing. I'm done with balance. You keep, that is what balance is, is that 
you're adjusting and then you're adjusting and then you're adjusting and that's life. Accept that. And then the obstacles, like I said before, instead of being some kind of curse from the devil, all your obstacles are telling you where to take action. You know, all your squares in astrology or your opportunities. It's all like that. It's all <laughs> the constant balancing act is great because that's how we have perpetual energy and continuous continuous existence. Otherwise, if it was like, I have achieved perfection, then you might as well be dead or cease to exist. So, you know, yeah. enjoy the obstacles, enjoy the challenges. That's literally what life is. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, honestly. And one of the things that Mario will often say is pressure makes diamonds. And that's a very common statement. It's not like a new statement of any kind. But when you think about that, it does help you to just remember that and know that all these challenges are actually going to make you a better person and make and help you grow um, ultimately. Um, and, you know, I want to go to the lymph uh, subject now. Oh, because, oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for because, yeah, holding on to that. That's a really great one. And um, let's hear what you have to say about lymph and moving it with sound. Well, you know, you might have, I want to know what you think about lymph and getting, you know, lymph uh, flow or blockage. You know, what is that? What do you know about that in your experience with health? Well, I mean, mostly, you know, a lot of it has to do with when you getting it moving, you can take herbs to do that, which they'll help. And that's one of the things I kind of wanted to talk to you about with like herbs and sound and how they kind of relate and how they're actually, I think, very, very closely related. But um, usually it comes down to touch for me. It's it's massage. And then it's just being aware that it's happening or being aware that you might feel some sort of blockage and then focusing the energy on it, but not going into a fear state. Because that's what I think will block. I think that fear actually can be a lymph blocker. I think there's all sorts of things that can block lymph. But I think that if you're like feeling something or, okay, I'm swollen here. A lot of times people's first instinct is just to be scared. Like something's wrong with me. What's the matter? Instead of just addressing it um, from a gentle place. Um, and without going into like specific herbs that will help move lymph. Because, you know, that would just be a listing off of things. Um, that's oh, maybe what name I a thought. couple. Maybe, okay. maybe we want to know. <laughs> well, the one of the first ones that comes to mind is called cleavers. It's um, and when you see it, I don't have a photo of it on me, or you know, it's not just in my pocket or whatever. Um, but it, it's kind of like it looks like the lymphatic system. It grows wildly in so many regions, and it's um actually usually called I don't know if it's called sticky grass or whatever, but it's like it will stick to you when you walk past it. Um, and that is one of the greatest lymph stimulators that I know of that, that can be interesting, very interesting signature that it's like sticky sticking to you and your lymph is getting clogged up and sticking and it needs to be. Yeah. Yes. And it totally can signatures unblock it. And when it grows, dude, it's like, it, it'll just like almost overtake things. It's like very wild and crazy. Kind of like what the lymph system looks like inside your body. When you look at it, it's just everywhere, but it's all these little networks of, you know, looks like almost veins, but it's just going everywhere. Right. And then uh, one other herb that we've talked about on Vibrant and I've talked about on this show is calendula, which is another one to get lymph going. So any any plants that are connected to water typically will help move the lymph because you're working with the water element, obviously. Um, and sometimes herbs that will be heating or warming to the system can sometimes also, you know, do the same thing. So 
those are just a couple off the top of my head that come to mind that are really great for, for moving it around. Yeah. So I thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Thanks for asking. To have a multi <laughs> I can't help it. Sometimes as the guest, I have to, I start interviewing the host. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. I, I'm loving this. It's good. It's going great. Uh, by the way, you're a great podcast host. You're cut out for this completely. And I love oh, being here. Thank and you. I hope it's not the only time I come on, but it won't um, be <laughs> limp. Okay. So a lot of strategies for moving lymph around have to do with like self massage. Right. And it, uh, you'll get instruction to like really put pressure on the cheekbones and like press on the lymph node. And that whole process is effective. It is, but it can be very painful, especially if you have a major blockages, it will help get things flowing and moving. But you might be doing it at the expense of like having sore cheekbones for many days afterward. And then you might have to keep doing it and it's like hurting more. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's got to hurt to heal. <laughs> that is true. But you can get a weighted tuning fork. doesn't have to even be the Sonic Slider, but I think it's the best one. And you can put that right on your cheekbone. Oh, it feels great. <laughs> and this subtle, gentle vibration from the fork directly to your, you know, to, especially on that bone conducting the vibration will cause the lymph to start to flow on its own. And it doesn't cause pain and it doesn't cause bruising way, way more gentle. So one of the many uses of the weighted tuning fork that I wish everybody had one, <laughs> please, everyone, please go get one. I have, I, I, if I had an affiliate link to uh, the Biofield Tuning Store, I would be sharing it right now. But just go to the Biofield Tuning Store and get one. <laughs> it's like, do you want to spend money on, I don't know, ibuprofen or aspirin for the rest of your life? Or do you want to just put a fork on it that you buy once and it's good forever? Dude, that's yeah, awesome. Put a fork with. on it. <laughs> <laughs> put, put a fork in me, Jerry. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, you can apply the sonic slider directly to the lymph nodes and you'll just feel it start to unblock and flow. And it's incredible. And you can, can never do it too much. You can put it on the neck, lymph areas, you know, anywhere. Yeah. Sonic slider, best $100 I spent. Nicholas gets it. And he probably spent $100 to get one of the attachments, which I do recommend the uh, circuit boot attachment is really cool spreads out the vibration on a wider surface area, but you can just get the basic sonic slider too. Really That's good awesome. stuff. Yeah. We need to have one. I mean, after just, how dare you not have one yet? <laughs> I know. I, I almost can't believe it after all these years of just like knowing that this is a modality, it's very valuable and everything, but we'll, we'll get one. We'll get, we'll get it. We'll have one around. Cause it's just seems like it's just invaluable as you've said so many times. So one of the things I did want to bring up to you because you're a wordsmith and I always love how you can just like you're taking words, you're breaking them apart and being able to just, you know, make more sense of them. When I was writing notes out, I was getting I was writing frequency and frequently interchangeably like I would use frequently when I was meaning to write frequency and vice versa. And I'm like, Oh, dude, okay, frequency frequently. And then I had I just had the thought of like frequency is all around us at all times. So like frequently, you're running into frequency. Does that make sense? Or am I just like spinning in my own head? 
definitely related frequency and they're both from a latin word that relates to like mm, like a crowd or a gathering okay uh frequent frequent something like that interesting (laughs) (laughs) yeah so your frequency is like you've all seen the sound you know visual representation of sound there's a middle line and then there's the sound wave doing a sine wave pattern going above and below the middle line the frequency is how many times does it hit the middle so you know metaphorically it's kind of like whenever you spin a top really fast and it appears to be standing still and standing straight up like it's not moving it's the same thing with frequency whenever you hear the often horribly misunderstood raise your vibration raise your frequency it's not that you literally need to vibrate more (laughs) it's that you know in the correct understanding of this in my opinion it's about hitting the middle being so in the middle so centered that it appears you know you know if you if your frequency was so fast that that up and down um was hitting the middle so rapidly that it looked like just a straight line that's what i'm talking about does that make sense kind of like a top that appears to be standing still so you know how frequently is your frequency being centered <laughs> how how often are you getting yo-yoed to the left or the right the ups and the downs the highs and the lows how often are you remembering to center yourself to still yourself to be in the stillness so it's not about vibrating like Ooh, it's about finding stillness in an interesting way yeah that makes sense so and really I would... like we literally want to lower our vibration <laughs> but metaphorically raising your vibration is symbolic of being more in the middle yeah that makes sense because i always do think about there's like a diagram of like always staying at zero you know there instead of you know getting really really excited or really down trying as best you can to be at that middle point um so that relieves you of having high expectations for something and then being let down you know what i mean you could go on with all these examples but that's what that makes me think of and i just loved that little connection i was having with the frequency frequently um and thought that there'd be something that we could dig on in that oh yeah that's a great thing to bring up because you do hear that all the time like raise your vibration higher frequency (laughs) i don't know if you've heard like this high frequencies can be freaking annoying (laughs) well dude i mean yeah and like there can be super detrimental which actually helps me kind of segue into one of the thoughts that actually mario and i were talking about earlier with sound is that so there's all these beautiful healing aspects of it and it's gorgeous and it can be lovely and it can change your mood to from down to high all these things but as we know when there's there's just like we're talking about with balance there's the beauty and then there's the the discord so we kind of uh we're talking about like weaponized sound and how sound has actually kind of been has been and is used against us as a society even in nature you know you could go into what an emf is is that sound is it vibration is it a combination not even emf specifically but have what are some of the ways that you've noticed throughout history and time even current how sound has been used in in nefarious ways whoo 
There's a lot of possibilities there. <laughs> so know, for, that's why you know, I was first of all to talk to you about it. <laughs> infrasound is a really interesting idea. So you know about infrared, which is below red on the spectrum, below our visual capacity. There's also sound that is below uh, the human audio 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 <laughs> capacity to hear it. And there are even, as far as I know, I wouldn't be able to tell you which, but I think there are even animals that put off infrasound uh, as like a way to mess with their prey or to throw off predators, things like that. Uh, so in terms of sound being used as a weapon, I think there's even a precedent in nature for that. Uh, weapon is maybe a strong word, but as a defense, maybe. And, uh, you know, everything that is a weapon could be a defense and everything that is a defense could be a weapon. Now, I also, I've covered on my show in the past a lot, the EMF question, more before I got into tuning, actually. And it's not like I don't think that there's a problem with <laughs> EMF devices and what it can do to people, because it is like cooking you like a microwave. <laughs> uh, and we need to talk about music and sound from a cultural perspective. So we'll circle back to that. Don't let me forget about that in terms of things that we think are innocuous and how they might affect us. But, um, you know, I've come to a different personal, I'll call it a belief. I, I wouldn't say I've like done the science on it or anything, but I've come to a bit of a different belief about these dissonant vibrational patterns. It has a lot to do with maybe Mitch, the organ donor as well. So we have these cell phone towers everywhere. We have these pocket microwaves everywhere. And uh, we're like you know, radiating our balls all the time with these in our pocket and wondering why our fertility rates are lower and all that. But to maybe put it in a nutshell, this is hard to put it in a nutshell, but seeing how effective Mitch, the organ donor, has been to improve the frequency environment in his area and in many places, honestly. Uh, he sent me a lot of pieces of orgone. It's basically a scalar wave device. Um, and these devices, these orgone devices, seem to be able to structure the ether or structure the, the frequency of a, a region such that the uh, cell phone towers are not having the same detrimental effect as they were before. So like at my, at my house, there are cell phone towers around. I live on, on the edge of town, but still in a, in a city of almost 200,000. So there's a lot of cell phone towers and there's a lot of spraying that happens overhead. And Jen, Jen can attest to this now that she lives here, but in the bubble radius of like, a, I don't know, two miles or so around my house, whenever there's like heavy spraying above the clouds the chem clouds do not hang above the area where i live directly overhead because i i assume because i've gifted organ devices at all the towers around so the spraying still happens but the uh, whatever frequency lattice that these chemicals were sort of magnetizing to for lack of a better description to create that haze that just hangs there it's not working that way anymore. So I, I bring this up because we people should understand maybe before they get super upset or worried about EMF, I'm not saying that it's like 
the best way to do things to have all this just willy nilly EMF going around, but to realize that you are an orgone generator yourself. So why do these orgone devices that Mitch makes help? Why do they, why do they help? It's because they are a structured, coherent, crystalline frequency bubble, if you will, pattern. And what what we know about nature, especially from the from <laughs> the perspective of tuning, uh, human tuning, is that I say this a lot: harmony versus dissonance. Harmony wins. You learn about in physics class, like entropy and. Everything's slowly getting colder and slowing down and everything's falling apart. But they never talk about the organizing, self-ordering, self-healing, self-correcting nature of nature. But it's super important. (laughs) In fact, it's way more powerful than entropy. Entropy is just like unresolvable dissonance or unresolved dissonance. And usually it comes about from exactly this entropic you know, decay comes about from the exact same method as in your own life when you refuse to take on your obstacles, when you refuse to go through the challenge, which is that the stagnancy, the not moving is what causes this entropic force, whether it's in the form of fungi or heat dissipation to come in and, you know, break things up and break things down. So where I'm getting to with this is that if you are holding, if you personally are holding a coherent, you know, back to what I said, the full armor of God is keeping your own energy in your own battery. If your energy is in your own battery and it is coherent, structured in a, you know, proper, good way, then do you really think some stupid EMF radiation is going to hurt you or kill you? (laughs) Like you're, you're going to transmute that. So like, you know, your aura has you have a protect your aura is a protection layer it's it is a shielding from emf your aura shields you from emf that's what it's there for to shield you from all kinds of everything across the spectrum you know it's your bubble it's your protective layer just because you can't see it or you're not aware of it doesn't mean that's not what it's meant to be doing so back to what i said about coherence beating dissonance all you need to know it, for, to understand that this is a law of nature, this is a law of nature, is go find a video of it or do it yourself. Get a, get a bunch of metronomes and you set them all off in a room together at different timings. Metronomes like tick, 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 like for a piano. Get 50 metronomes, set them all off in a room together at different timings at different times. Come back later. They will all be ticking together in perfect sync. No one's ever explained why or how that happens. (laughs) It's because nature has a self-ordering, self-organizing principle where coherence put next to dissonance, the coherence or uh, trains the dissonance to become coherent. So another way of looking at it is like the all is mind, right? We 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 exist within the imagination of God. Everything is mental, hermetic law. Well, Whenever two minds come together, <laughs> the one, the mind that knows that it, that it, the other mind is a part of it is the one that entrains the other one. The one that thinks it's separate and different and not part of it is the one that's more easily entrained. And a simpler way of putting it is like, put two minds together. The more coherent mind is the one that comes out influencing 
the less coherent mind, you know, <laughs> like simple, obviously like, you know, a professor of, of Latin that goes and talks to a, a seven-year-old about Latin. The seven-year-old is the one that's going to come across with their mind change and learn something, right? <laughs> Not the, per, it, maybe that's a bad metaphor, but you generally get me. So that actually applies to EMF. That applies to your aura. If your energy field is coherent, if your personal bubble is strong and your boundaries are, are good and pure and your aura doesn't look like Swiss cheese, then no EMF is not going to hurt you. <laughs> In fact, you're going to change the nature of the EMF around you. You're going to protect other people from EMF that are just near you or around you. In my opinion, you know, don't take that to the bank or whatever, but I think that's the case. I, I mean, I can see it because I've always, I've been skeptical about that kind of the whole time ever since it became like a thing or then it was 5G and then we're all waiting in the wings for them to turn on the 5G and then it was oh. like, they're turning it on in a month, they're turning it on in five months. It's so important for the the manipulators and controllers and parasite type people to get you to think that something is hurting you. Very important. So they like, they tell you, they sell you McDonald's and then they show you supersize me, the documentary. They tell you everyone needs to get the cowpoke and then they re release all over the place. The VAERS, you know, injury reports. It's very important. So they cover everything with 5G while at the same time telling you 5G it's that's it. That's the kill switch. When they turn that on, we're all fried. It's over. <laughs> Mount up, Patriots. We're chasing Hillary through the sewers. We're going to get her, <laughs> stop her from turning on the 5G. Dude, totally, man. And all of those things are literally just keeping us from healing. They just keep you further and further and further. And one of They're the all victim consciousness mentalities. Totally, a 100%, which keeps you further and further from healing and knowing yourself and all of these things. And so one of the things that came to my mind was um, just the body's innate uh, ability to heal itself. But a lot of the things that are, are suggested to us from our doctor or from the news or whatever are literally do the exact opposite. So we're not even like allowing ourselves or our body the chance to get to the state of healing. And just something that we talked about in this little segment right here made me think about that. Um, and I think it was you bringing up the um, ability of nature to be the healer. And I do, I really do think you're right with our fields being able to protect us because not only will it protect us from something like EMF, but it protects you from like the energy of somebody else that they might be projecting something. Although you do have to be aware of those things and like have your own practices to have boundaries with it. But there we are, we do have like a built in protection system, just like our yeah, And You know what? Like if you want to put silver threaded blanket over baby or, you know, right. co cover your gonads with, silver threaded underpants there's nothing bad about that that can only be good silver is an amazing vibration silver has so much in information about it that is positive and helpful and constructive so you know i'm not saying that you should avoid like that it's a waste to get the spiro protection clothing that matt landman makes i think that stuff's great especially from people that especially for people that aren't fully out of victim consciousness or don't have a very coherent energy field yet you know like i uh I would say uh, give gift them the the EMF protection clothing or wear it yourself until you feel more confident that you're transmuting it all yourself. That's all fine. I'm not saying that 5G or EMF is good as it is. 
It's not the way nature would do things. So, you know, I think that's what sin is, is when we do things against how nature would do it, we get immediate consequences. That's the wrath of God. It's no, no one's mad at you. <laughs> You're experiencing the direct consequences for doing for making a free will choice to do something against the way that it would be done by nature. And so it doesn't work because the way nature does things is the truth. Right, right on, man. No, that's beautiful. And the sparrow stuff is great. I, we've had bags and I would put my phone in there and they work and I don't get calls and all those things, but I always have been a little bit kind of like how much of this is some just other I've said this before, but just another way to lead people into a corner and all have them pecking at each other and freaked out and, you know, oblivious to the other things going on while they're sitting and worrying about all of that stuff. Because I do know that there are people that are more sensitive to it. There's people that have had to leave cities and all that stuff. Don't doubt that. I feel energies when I go into the city, but I'm now just wondering if it's not so much that I'm picking up on like EMF or 5G when I go into Portland. It's more that I'm just picking up on the energies of everybody else around me and the sounds and the sights and the lights and the cars and the everything else. Um, Well, that's the thing is part of the journey of waking up, if you want to call it that, becoming more conscious, getting more of your own energy into your own bubble. Energy is consciousness. Consciousness is awareness. Awareness is feeling. And more of it means you're more sensitive and you have to deal with that. You have to be able to, you have to process that. So you have to like, you know, that's the lifting weights aspect of, of wholeness is that we continue on this journey. And then the more finely tuned your microchip is, the smaller of a grain of sand can throw it off. It is what it is. That's why like people who some people can just subsist on a McDonald's drive through diet. And then somebody else that has been working on their health and working on themselves. If they put that in themselves, they might fuck, they might just die right then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Of disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's how I would probably believe you it. Uh, but yeah, I just I love the weave of nature just having the innate ability to heal. And it kind of makes me think about my thoughts I've been having with the plants and sound frequency and your experience with that. And if you've had any experience with maybe perhaps like doing dowsing on somebody, perhaps or using forks and then they took like a plant medicine. And then did you dowsing them after taking a plant medicine? Have you noticed anything different? Have you ever tried anything like that? Because I just wonder how much of like a plant's frequency Actually, no. would be picked up. So maybe No, I've never really up. done any experiments on like before, after. Of, uh, I, I rarely really even know what someone may or may not have taken or be on when I do tunings for them. I assume not psychedelics, but I would be curious about that with... Um, all kinds of, you know, herbal medicines and plants, like how that affects their energy centers. But no, I've never tried that, but I want to circle back around to the idea of the cultural aspect of sound frequency and all that. And just make a couple of points, like for future consideration, future research. I'm very curious about this stuff and maybe someone in the audience will look into it more and talk to us about it. But there are, civilizations in the past that in terms of what we know about them had very regimented and strict rules about sound and about music that you weren't allowed to make music that wasn't in the state approved way. (laughs) 
And even to the point where like in the ancient Chinese dynasties, which I think you're getting to some pretty original stuff there in terms of like the uh, worldwide empire and maybe the practices of these holy sailors that me and Dylan have been talking about on my channel is that the, these ancient Chinese dynasties would even go so far as like when a, when a new dynasty would take over, they would have a tonal center to their music that would become the new tuning, the new tonal center for the entire civilization. So like, you know, my family takes over, we're doing everything in the key of G now. And to the point where even the length of, of flute that is required to create the note that is the new main note of the dynasty, the length of that flute, the standard length becomes the new meter or foot. So like everything, all units of measurement, all music, everything's retuned to this new order because they looked at it like when a new dynasty isn't taking over, there's a new cosmic order to things. This is a heaven, you know, divine right of kings. Heaven is mandated that this is the ruling family now. So we have to adjust everything to be in line with the new cosmic order, the new heavenly mandate. And while that maybe is a little extreme, maybe not because, you know, some of those dynasties lasted a pretty long time. And I just wonder about there is something to be said about the order and coherence of a society that is able to like manage even that level of, <laughs> and I'm not trying to be a, t I, I don't want tyranny or anything, but I, I'm all about freedom. But like, what if we had a, on, it sounds kind of extreme and, and horrible from our modern perspective, but what if we had a perspective where it was like, yeah, we're really careful about the music we make. We're really careful about the sound that we allow and the, the, the tuning of things like, you know, we're just now talking about 432 verse 440. That's a whole sub side subject, but you know, is it really tyranny or is it guardianship, <laughs> you know, to like keep everything in a certain order in a certain harmony, being careful about that, being full of care, actually caring. That makes a lot of sense to me now, but like a younger version of me would have looked at that. Like, that's crazy. You got to free the artists, let them, do get you know get their freak on <laughs> but maybe maybe there's a really good reason for why that was the case because look how degrading to the mind a lot of modern music is especially rape music it's like crazy but it's not, it's not the only kind um that is disharmonious and yeah i i think that again though it's a similar deal like if your bubble is strong then whether it's 5g or 50 cent it's not going to influence your vibe right but the civilization as a whole the culture as a whole a lot of people are very porous with their energy field and they're very much you know i can look at my past self like this big time and i still have aspects of this but my younger self i was practically didn't even have a personality i was just an amalgamation of the people i was around the most because <laughs> yeah. that's like not having you know boundary you're not keeping your energy in your own bubble i haven't learned it yet but Anyway, that's a tangent I wanted to point out. That's a good tangent. It requires tangent. more research. Yeah, but it's a good thought. And to me, one of the first things that comes up is that it would be very beneficial because it's creating a sense of unity through this one, you know, okay, we're all going to the 
tune of G now. Okay. So there's going to be that unity throughout. And it also makes me think about the things that Mario has researched and learned about the sacred center of like a town. And once that sacred center was either destroyed or it was taken over or something would happen, that was the beginning of the end of that civilization. And so I think sound would be a beautiful way to just like strengthen that bond as, you know, make your community stronger. And the flute being like your new measuring stick. There you go. That's the pole, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great thread. I seriously want to look into that even more. And then I'm curious to find out what you learn more about it, because that's on my list of things to eventually learn more about. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a great one, because, yeah, and music, uh, I mean, as we hear throughout history and everything else, we know it's such a huge part of so many cultures, if not every single culture. So it would make sense to me that they would have some sort of unity to it. And there's like way more meaning behind what they're playing or instruments they're picking or whatever, even further than just a regional sort of thing, you know? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. No, good. Me too. And one of the things that another sound thing, that's a cultural thing that I thought of that I wanted to ask you about is, have you ever heard of Kunling? Never have. All right. So it's a Scandinavian herd call. And it was usually done by the women of the homestead. So the women would go out like maybe at the end of the day and the cattle was, you know, grazing on the fields and they'd go out to the pasture and they would go out and use their voice and do these herd calls. And they had certain tones that they would work on. And then the cows would come home when the tones were put out there. And so I kind of just wanted to, it, it just made me think about the cultural thing and how each culture Krishna, had the cow thing. herder. Ah, interesting. Okay. Nice. Because my experience with, I've, I'll, I'll do that from time to time. And every single time I've done it, we don't have cows or cattle, but, whether it be a chipmunks or turkeys. Turkeys was my first one. I went out and did it one day and the where we live, like it, it's it would be a great place for a concert because the sound there it's almost like we have this like almost like arena, natural arena. And I did it and all of a sudden as soon as I did it, all the turkeys just and I did it again. And sure enough, they were just calling back to me. And so it just made me think about the cultural habits and practices that certain places, people, things have that they use for forever, just with their own bodies to be able to like call in the herd or whatever. And so it just made me think about that when you're talking about having like one sort of unified tone that the the society is focused on. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, you know, we're also living beings like the turkey. So has somebody a long time ago figured out the way to, like, get the <laughs> the human cattle to, like, come in and <laughs> give them their gold or what? <laughs> yeah, dude, I think so. It was probably like the Grateful Dead or something. <laughs> because I think about their whole wall of sound. You've heard, I'm sure you've heard about that. The oh, man, Dead. there's so much grapple with the Grateful Dead. It's insane. It's crazy. And they're, I mean, I literally intelligence agency. Straight uh, up. Yeah. Cut from the, the cloth, baby. It totally is. And so that whole wall of sound thing. And if anybody out there listening has never heard of this, I, I encourage you to just look it up. But, you know, they literally formulated their very own sound system, the way they set up their speakers, the way it was. It was literally a wall of like monitors and speakers and their sound. They have a particular sound. And so 
that's another whole way that they were manipulating people and getting them into the mood and all that kind of stuff. Um, it goes deep. I mean, and that's just kind of goes along with that nefarious side of it. And then the whole, uh, what was it called? Astro, uh, what was that music festival just a year or so ago? I don't know. Astro World or... Astro World. Is that right? Is it Astro World? I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> what it was. Because I just remember oh, hearing God. stories about these people. I was there and then all of a sudden I was passed out and I didn't know what happened. I wanted to throw up, this and that. You know, it just... The things that affect us that you can't see are... Uh, they go deep. They go real deep. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I came, you know, we didn't cover this off, but I, I really came from music festivals and that culture. That was my road to here, actually. That was my road from being like a normal white uh, Anglo-Saxon Protestant <laughs> to, you know, w wearing this really cool shirt that I got for Christmas from my sweet lady. Nice. And, uh, cr having crystals everywhere and playing with tuning forks <laughs> and being a podcaster and making weird art. All that came from my entry into music festivals. And that world was so amazing, awe-inspiring for me. And it's kind of funny. Like then the, the more I got into being aware, uh, the, the more I learned about who I was, the more I began to see like, whoa, these are big energy harvesting operations. I'm not saying every music festival ever happened was bad, but like Astro World is uh, the big pr shining prime example of something that happens on a smaller scale without the mass death and the ritual sacrifice. Well, I won't say without the ritual sacrifice. I've seen ritual sacrifice at festivals that at least that I believe that's what I saw. Uh, you know, and it's usually done with drugs and <laughs> I mean, there's some dark stuff that happens. And when you're on the medicine and you're not totally out of your mind or just in party mode and you kind of look around and you have some energetic sensitivity, you see like little goblins on people and energy portals sucking attention out of people who think they're looking at the stage, but they're like, you know, sending their life force into something else. And it's very bizarre. I'll just say that, <laughs> you know, I'm still wrapping my head around it, but I think like this idea of the festival as uh, a sort of like a, a reward in, in training the, the masses of like at this time of year, you get to come and cut loose and party and you get to relinquish your slave duties for a while and have fun Saturnalia, whatever the festival is. But I think that the uh, occult forces that rule the world, have for a long time been using this festival idea as an energy harvesting and mind programming uh, tool, really. So that's like, I've done some shows on that in the past, but it's kind of a, a big can of worms that we probably won't open that wide, but <laughs> it's a, it's a real thing. And uh, especially with electronic music, the amount of the amount that can be done with like, back to that idea of infrasound subaudible low frequencies is pretty astounding. You know, um, just check out Mark Devlin and his works yes. on musical truth one, two, and I think there's a third one now. Yeah, no, I'm so glad we went here. Cause that was one of the places I wanted to go to, uh, because I know that that is part of your, your, your journey is going to festivals and things like that. And I, 
I've often wondered the same kind of thing about it. And it's really, I mean, I know that you have eyes to see. And so it just is really nice to know and hear that you have, you've had these thoughts, you've seen these things and you've had personal experience with it. And so it could help somebody else who is in that, who maybe never saw it. And then they may have a memory and be like, oh my God, he's totally right. I did. I have seen that happen. And even on, from a personal level, just Mario and I was were invited to some show. This was like six, seven years ago, I think, from a friend of his. It was at like the um, uh, it was downtown in Portland and it was at the conference center, like where they have, you know, all sorts of huge conferences and they'll put on um, shows and stuff like that. And so anyway, long story short, we were there and we were in that position of not really being in party mode and seeing all this stuff happening. And it was so intense. And we were just like, we are fish out of water here, man. Like, this is totally bizarre. It, it's not even really our scene. We went because we were invited and we were gone very quickly because it was just not good. It was a very, I mean, just to even say, it felt like it was some sort of sex trafficking, like, thing network oh thing. yeah that's it a was, really big part of the festival scene yeah i believe it man and where it was in portland it was like in the area where there's all these apartments and stuff or not sorry not apartments hotels where a lot of people stay when they travel from the airport or whatever if you're staying in portland it's it's just one of the meccas because the the max train which is like the you know the public transit goes right through their main bus lines everything it was really scary actually and it just really put a lot of these sort of things into perspective for us that we had never really thought about before because we'd never been anything where like that and the symbols they were throwing up on the screens and everything well, even to this day, I would just am like, wow, I almost can't believe we were there. We were there. We were there to bear witness. And then I ended up going down this huge rabbit hole and I like researched the company that was putting it on and they're super nefarious and all this weird stuff. And anyway, yeah, I believe the sex trafficking thing is a huge thing. Part of it because and usually, drug trafficking, of course, totally, man, all these the big two events. go hand in hand because most mm -hmm. of the time you need drugs to traffic somebody for sex. You need to have that as your control mechanism over them. Like do what I say and I'll keep giving you your drugs. Yep, indeed. And as we've all heard, usually if you're in these rabbit holes, you know, all these big events like the Olympics and the, you know, the Super Bowl, all these huge events that bring in thousands and thousands of people, millions of dollars are the places where these things are happening. And festivals are kind of like that. So, yeah, whoa, it's that's dark. That's a dark rabbit hole, but it's real. It's happening. Yeah, but they're, you know, on the upside of that. The idea of coming together to celebrate, share gifts, to create, nothing, there's nothing wrong in the idea of it. So I I would just advise people, consider the size of the event you're dealing with. And if you're like in the range of 3,000-ish or, or less, probably not too nefarious. Maybe somewhat, <laughs> but if you're down to the range of like 200 to 600 people, Probably a really legit place. <laughs> Just look at it like, how likely are the humans in this environment to go locust mode? Because <laughs> there's this weird thing where there's so, a certain number of people and all of a sudden they're a swarm and they're no longer like looking out for each other or trying to help each other. But normal human interaction would be that whoever you're around, you're ready to help if they need help rather than just ignore them. So, yeah, like uh, I'll just plug music and sky festival i was at this year 
in California, in Kiyama Valley, beautiful place, put on by Mike Winter from Alpha Vedic. That was amazing. That was the, you know, that's the dragon that a lot of the light worker types are chasing in terms of the festival festival scene. That's really what, that's what it's all about. Coming together with a bunch of super shiny, super healthy, a lot of energy in their own battery type of people. <laughs> There's nothing really quite like that. And then throwing in music on top of it and cool speakers. Like that was a great event. So I'm definitely not against the idea of gatherings. It's just that you got to be aware of these larger ones. But yeah, we can change the subject. You know, in a in a little bit, Michelle is giving me the uh, the the go ahead that we're going to do a group tuning session. Woo! So I haven't done one of those for a while, but about a year ago is the last time I did a video with a, a group tuning in it, and it feels appropriate to do that again right now. And I was really happy that Michelle will host that for us. <laughs> so yeah, uh, maybe I love before that idea. we switch formats and I, and I get us into that, you know, maybe if, if you have any further questions about tuning or about the group tuning before we get into it, uh, maybe we can get into that. Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate that you want to do this when you pose that idea. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. Um, so, uh, everybody get your headphones, <laughs> wear headphones. You'll it probably be a little bit more beneficial, but you'll, well, get, let me just get throw this out there though. Yeah. You don't actually have to be able to hear the forks okay, for okay. tuning to work because it's go. not really, there is a very interesting science about like the effect of different frequencies and vibrations on your body, on your cells, on your organs. There is that, but you don't actually have to be able to hear it. I've done tunings in places where I couldn't hear them. <laughs> I've done tunings for people where we weren't on a call even, and it still is effective. So that being said, you know, if you want headphones so you can hear things better, go for it. But I would say like, you know, the pro when we do this group tuning, it's going to be what you make it largely. So if you can in invest some attention and some stillness into the process while we do it, that's great. But I will not rule out that you can just keep doing what you're doing, go on about your business, receive this tuning and have some benefit. <laughs> uh, I always tell clients that they're like, look, there's nothing you can do to mess this up. <laughs> so don't worry. There's no, there's, you're not doing it wrong. Don't worry about how well you can hear it. Don't worry about if you're meditating hard enough or, or any of that, just, you know, be open to the possibility and the awareness that comes in and we'll go from there. I like it. That's great. That's a good, a good tip there uh, for people. And then I do, if I, if I can ask one last question before we do do this, um, have you noticed that there are certain frequencies that resonate better with men and women? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there a certain frequency that you always notice on a woman? It's like, okay, that really hits them. And then same thing with a man. That's a really good question. Actually, I don't have an answer to that other than, I don't know. For a long time with my tuning uh, with clients, my methodology was that I associated you know, I just talked about this a lot on Rising from the Ashes podcast. If people want to hear me talk more about solfeggio frequencies, that was a really good conversation. That was Shout a out great, homie Romy. That was a great conversation, by the way. I did listen to that. Oh, cool, cool. Yes, cool. yes, yeah. So I, for a while, I was like, just three ninety six is going to be root chakra, five twenty eight is going to be solar plexus, etc. Like three through nine, covering off your root to crown. 
Um, and that was working just fine. But then when I talked to the Bagelsons, the Bagelson brothers about holographic blood, uh, Josh was talking about how certain frequencies are more agitating to him when he's gone to like sound baths and stuff. And I was like, you know what? That's interesting. We are all different. So maybe I shouldn't take a one size fits all approach to what frequencies I'm choosing. So now what I do in a one-on-one sessions with clients is so like originally my method was like, I would start at the feet and work my way up and see how far we can get in the hour. And I would associate like, you know, 174 with the feet, 285 with the ankles, 396 with the root chakra, you know, 417 with the sacral and up you go like in order. But, and that was fine. That really was fine. But I decided to like experiment with maybe doing it more personalized, if you will. So now what I do is uh, I'm like, okay, what chakra first or what chakra next? What part of the body next? And I have a table set up in front of me and you'll see the table when we do this group session with candles and crystals for each of the chakra centers of the body. I have like a dummy body made out of crystals and candles, basically like a voodoo doll, but for good. (laughs) And so I will like point my finger at the table and just go from one direction to the other and wait until I get a signal on, like I get a hit on uh, one of the part, you know, one of the candles or one of the crystals. And then that'll be which area I address next. And then I will do the same thing with my laid out forks and be like, which fork, ah, this one. So (laughs) that's been my method lately. And I've noticed that some, that uh, most of the time there'll be like one fork that keeps getting picked, keeps getting selected. Um, but also pretty commonly the, the fork that gives me the hit will be the one that correlates numerically to that chakra in the way that I had been doing it before. So I'm just kind of experimenting with that, giving people the opportunity, clients, the opportunity to be unique and have, and for their body to communicate a unique preference for them in that moment. And that's, I would say it seems to be effective in improving the tuning sessions, but overall it's like they've been getting better and better as I've been doing them. So I, who's to say what's making it get better. It just gets better the more I do it, (laughs) but I think that's good, a good uh, alteration. So yeah. Awesome. That's a great explanation. I like that. It makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) and i know i've talked about this before but like for anyone that's curious what i mean by like get a hit i have this my body has this ability where whenever i find stuck energy in the biofield or when it's almost like my body is the dowsing rod now i still use dowsing rods but basically when i hit stuck energy in the biofield or whenever i'm pointing at the forks and then one gives me a hit or whatever I'm looking for, I hit, I touch it metaphorically speaking, my ears pop and I feel like this pressure shift in my head and in my ears and it, my head literally clicks and pops. I don't know why that started happening, but when I realized that it was <laughs> correlated with the uh, stuck energy and I was like, Oh, Oh, so <laughs> I started try- like relying on it a little bit and it was trustworthy. So I started leaning into it more and more And it started giving me more ways to use it. So now it's like, and it'll probably develop more as we go. But but like, that's the thing is I didn't know that my body had this ability to literally click 
in my ears, <laughs> in my head, whenever I found stock energy. But that's like, that is kind of shamanic, you know? It is. It so totally is. I think everyone's probably got some really fascinating and unique way that they can communicate with their body's intelligence. But are you going to know if you don't start experimenting? <laughs> I think Qigong was a big reason for that for me. But yeah, that's what I mean when I say like, did I point until I get a hit somewhere? Like I, I just whoop and then my ears will pop on one of the forks or one of the chakras. And that's basically how I do it. Huh, that's beautiful. I mean, it's just proof that you're mastering your craft too. You know, it's just like you're leveling up as you continue to do this. And so the universe is giving you these little uh, nuggets that you can go off of. I feel like I have that same kind of thing with plants. It's like that same thing where I'll just be talking to somebody and I, a plant comes to my mind and I, if I have the medicine and we're in the situation where I can get it to them, I'll typically just be able to gift them this specific plant that's coming up for them. And they'll be like, Oh my God, that's exactly what I needed. Or I'll have a hit when I put a, a send out an order, somebody ordered something <laughs> and I'll be like, you know what? I kind of want to include St. John's word for them and I will. And then they'll reach out and obviously give thanks for the extra bonus and be like, you know what? And I needed this because this was going on and it was exactly what I needed in that moment. And I just, Go, I've learned to just go with that. And it typically every single time works out in that positive way of it, of it being something that that person really, truly needed. And I had no idea that they did, but I was getting this hit. And it's just another lesson to just go with your gut, go with your intuition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you actually want to help. Like, that's why you're doing what you're doing. Totally. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so you're going to get what you need to be of help and be of service. And how it happens is kind of mysterious. Like, you know, there's a very Neptunian and murky aspect of biofield tuning where an example, like I might be sweeping through someone's energy field and I hit a spot from where they're like six years old. And it's a in the part of the field that relates to grief or, or loss. And I hit that spot and then in my head, it will just pop up like pets or I'll even see a little movie in my head of something and I'll be like, okay, so I'm getting the, uh, I'll say this out loud to the client. I'm like, I'm getting the, I'm getting the sense that you were six or seven years old and something happened with something traumatic happened with losing a pet. And I'll be like, yeah, my dad killed our dogs in front of us to punish us when I was seven or, or something like that. And I know that sounds a really harsh example, but like, that's literally an example that happened, but like, it just pops into my head. Like the, I know that this is about pets <laughs> and that I don't know how or why that works, but sometimes it comes through really specific. And that's also, I've learned to just trust it because every time it happens, there's going to be a lot of room for me to just be like, nah, no, that can't be right. I can't, I, there's no way I could know that. What if I, what if I say it and I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? Then they're going to think I'm not very good at being a psychic healer guy. I, I better not say it. <laughs> so there, there's some battling with that ego aspect of it early on. And it's still every time I have to make the choice, like, no, I'm going to say it. I think something happened traumatic with pets when you're seven. And then they'll be like, then they'll verify like, yes, or they'll tell me about more about it or or whatever. And even when it's off to some degree, it still sparks in them like, well, actually, it's not that, but it's this. And that's what matters anyway is for them to come to an awareness about something about themselves. So 
that's a big part of it is you got to get over like the ego of like, what if I'm wrong or I'm not allowed to just know that, or (laughs) I don't know how I know. So I'm going to disregard it. Uh, There's a lot of that involved too. And that's been part of the journey is like, just trust those Neptunian downloads and, and go with it. And you, you mean well, so even if you're wrong, it's still going to turn out good. So like, don't be afraid of being wrong. And like that it's very important to not be so attached to being like a really good psychic that you won't even put yourself out there and just be like, I think it's this. Um, and that's where a lot of the, you know, for them, a very magical experience gets to occur because you just told them something about yourself, about themselves that you had no way of knowing. And all you were doing was waving tuning forks around in your living room. <laughs> oh yeah. But, you know, like Gabriel just said, literally something clicks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah, my ears literally click, dude. It's, it's so weird. Dude. That's so beautiful. I love that. No, that's all just like such sound advice. And you are such a gem chance. It's so awesome. I'm, I'm just like really loving our conversation and where we went and everything else, but we're at almost about 20 minutes left, Mark. So did you want to get rolling on the, on the, yeah, we should do that. If we go a little over two hours, is it okay? Oh yeah, totally. Directly watching the clock, but we'll shoot for about 20 minutes. Okay. So I'm going to need a minute to uh, transition and give my camera lady, my other camera and yeah, I'm so take you um, off of the stream right now while you're transitioning. Yep, take me off of this, and um, I'll 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 drop a message in the chat when I'm ready for you to bring me up on the other one. Okay, sounds good. I'll I'll be quick. It won't take me very long. All right. We'll see Sweet. You. All right. Alrighty. Well, that was so awesome. Oh my god, I'm loving this so much, and I'm so grateful that Chance brought this idea up. And I hope you guys are enjoying it, too. And it looks like we had a pretty active chat. I uh, Again, I know I've said this every single episode, but I'm trying to get better with uh, paying attention to the chat and then keeping my focus on the interview. So just uh, maybe I'll kind of come in, come on in here and see what's going on. But it looks like you guys are having a super good time. And um, I'm just so grateful for this because actually I have I've only done and I wanted to bring this up to chance to see what he thought about it. I've only done sound baths. So I know there's a big difference between. Thank you, Stacy. Love you, too. Um, I know there's a big difference between like being in a room with a sound bath that just has the sound bowls going and everything, although that's awesome and beautiful. And I've had really great experiences with that. Um, I've only one other time had an actual sound healing done with forks where the forks were actually like placed on my body. Um, and that was quite profound as well. But um, I've just been really loving the exploration of the different modalities and the different ways that this can happen. And PK just asked, what's about to happen? Chance is going to be giving us all a group sound healing um, for the latter part of the show. We've got about 20 minutes to go. So he's going to grace us with his beautiful sounds and i'm very excited and he did mention i did mention oh get your headphones but he mentioned that you don't need headphones um because this is that's just how powerful this stuff is so they're getting stuff ready um and yeah just seriously so grateful for this conversation and grateful to have you guys all here because it's been super fun and i liked where we went to with trying to kind of like, I always think about plants. 
I mean, hello, here I am. I'm an herbalist. So always thinking about plants, always thinking about how their energies resonate. And I kind of also have the sense that sound and plants work very similarly because I'm starting to really just come to the conclusion that, that plants are meant to actually be taken and then stimulate the organ system that will then begin the healing to happen within your body. And I brought this up with Kyle on our last episode. And if you guys haven't checked that one out, I highly recommend going back to the last episode, episode five with Kyle, because we had a really good time and we talked some nice juicy plant information. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking that sound, sound and plants might work on that same level because I think plants have a huge frequency. And I think part of their medicine is their frequency. That's what I'm starting to really think about. Um, and I think that it's really wonderful. And if you haven't listened to the Rising from the Ashes episode with Chance that they just did, uh, I also recommend that one too, that he shouted out. I know it's on his Interverse channel on YouTube. Um, oh, the private chat. Yes. Okay. Chance. Okay. He's ready. All righty. Thank you. Thank you to my man for reminding me to look at the private chat. <laughs> man, he's just always there. Thank you, babe. All right. All right, Chance. I'm going to turn off my mic. All right. Well, first, I want to talk to you for a second. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Yep. Awesome. All right. So first, before we get into it, I just want to show the table if you would please come forward and so what I've done here is created a, a little replica human body. <laughs> we have a crown chakra, crown chakra candle, third eye, and there are crystals that correlate by color to each of those chakras. And then a whole lot of selenite because I feel like personally selenite was the thing that really just showed me energy and helped me feel my own in, in personal energy. So we have all of those parts and this gives me sort of a physical body to work with and measure off of to you know know where stuck energy is in the biofield um i'm showing all this not because like you need the, to invest in all these crystals and all these candles to do a tuning for somebody not at all all of it can be done without this but with like ceremony and and anything that's like a magical practice the intention that goes into procuring these items and setting them all up. And like, I put the table up and back down uniquely for each client. There's a big amount of, I would just say like amplification of everything for when you go through all that, especially on the side of the client who is like, sorry, you have a dog in a cat situation. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of like, okay, buddy. Sorry for everyone who has headphones on. <laughs> okay. It was the headphone suggestion. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to take the cat out of the room. I'll be right back. Alrighty, alrighty. That is a beautiful setup, by the way. Yeah, I'm loving that. Yeah. Usually, uh, when I do this, I don't have uh, the cats do not have access to the room. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, having, having the pretty setup... It helps, especially someone that's maybe less well-versed in energy and mental universe dynamics. Like it gives them something to feel like 
believe in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wow, look how fancy and official this looks. So I, I recommend, I guess the simplest way of putting it is like, I recommend being quite clear and careful and intentional and purposeful with your aesthetics, with everything. Aesthetics and packaging. It's not just superficial. <laughs> it's, it's super important. It's not, not superficial, super important. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead. We'll get into this, um, this group tuning. I'm going to be doing this completely by sort of instinct and intuition in terms of where we're going to start and what we're going to do. And what comes to mind first is I'd like to help everybody anchor in and balance the holes of their donut, as I lovingly call it. So if you're familiar with the shape of the toroidal field, the energy field that the human body is embedded within, the energy field pattern that repeats itself across nature, the torus, it is shaped like a donut, but it's got a wide middle tube. That middle tube, the hole of the donut, is like your spine, your central column, your world axis, you know, your pole, axis mundi. <laughs> and there's like this hole below your feet and above your head where the top and the bottom of your axis mundi is at. So this is where your energy field is vortexing out and then coming back in. And then it goes the other way, out from the top and back in. And this, these, believe it or not, I found that the holes of the donut, <laughs> that's what I like to call them, they can float around and get off balance. So what we're gonna do first is we're gonna find the collective axis mundi. We're all going to anchor in our pole <laughs> together. <laughs> and we're going to shift whatever needs shifted to bring those back where the ones would be. So just so you're mine, <laughs> another dog situation. <laughs> buddy, let her be, buddy. <laughs> just so your mind has the, the data of like what it should be, we want the hole below your feet to be about 12 to 14 inches below your feet, aligned with your spine, and 12 to 14 inches above your head, above your crown, aligned with your spine. And everyone, pretty much everyone I ever do a tuning for, I find that that is a little bit off, or a lot off. A little to the left, a little to the right. So we're going to find the one below your feet first. And like I said to Michelle earlier, there's no wrong way to receive this tuning. You can be as meditative and into this as you want, or you can just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, as long as you're giving me permission to tune your biofield, your body is intelligent enough to make all these adjustments itself, and we are connected. Distances, uh, distance and separation are mental concepts. They're not reality. So let's find the collective holes of our donut. <laughs> we'll start there. All right. So collectively, <laughs> this is where I'm finding the hole of the donut. Um, we're looking at the left side. It's about midway between the toes and the heel on the left side. And a little close. So we're going to pull this down. You can come a little more of a close-up while I do this part.
All right, it clicked. <laughs> so we've got the bottom one lined up where we want it. Now we'll do the same one above our heads. Almost there. A few holdouts. All right, that one's good too. So now that we've lined up our central column, that's going to really assist with any energy that we bring back to the middle here to go where we want it to go. So now I'm going to decide where we're going to go for next. All right, we're going to want to do some root. So as I play this tone over our left hip, collective left hip, I want you to think of all the ways that maybe you're not taking action. Maybe you're thinking about things that you wish you were doing, maybe you're not doing it. And maybe there's a shyness there. Maybe there's a feeling of difficulty getting over procrastination. Maybe there is a fear of being seen doing what you really wish you could be doing. And I think what's most important is that we change our beliefs right now, if necessary, that there's nothing to fear about doing what's right for me. So as I play this tone here, uh, let's just say that in our minds, this new belief. I am not afraid to do what's right. I'm not afraid to be seen doing what's right for me. Now we're going to address the right hip as well. And the belief that we're going to set up for ourselves as we do this side, right hip, root chakra, is... <laughs> okay, so first of all, we need to be aware of what I call the torturous to-do list. Are we guilt tripping ourselves into overworking? Or are we making our work feel harder than it needs to because we're motivating ourselves to do that work through guilt. Do we feel ashamed if we're not productive enough? Are we busy? 
this right hip, this is the hip of busy. And busy is not a great place to be. In fact, I quit being busy a while ago and it's the greatest decision I ever made. So as we tune up this right hip, let's let go of any sense of busy and replace whatever beliefs may be holding us into guilt, uh, guilt motivated productivity and instead accept that we're going to do what we're going to do. Uh, let's see, the belief we're going to replace all this with is I do what's best for me because I want to. <laughs> I do what I want. <laughs> Something like that. That ought to be, that ought to be great. I'm not busy. I'm not guilty. I don't require a certain amount of productivity just to exist. I am the tree of life and I bear fruit just by being myself. crunchy right hip guys <laughs> I think there's a lot of achievers out there who are motivating themselves a little bit with guilt so this is very important for us in our culture there's a lot of hip issues a lot of hip replacements going on you can get just as much done or honestly more if your motivation is flow and what feels good and right rather than I'm bad if I don't get it done that's what we've been trained. We've been trained that we're bad if we don't get it done. Guilt-motivated productivity. That is what we need to wipe out. So I'm gonna give us some more, I'm gonna give some more oomph to this right hip because I think we need it. So the next area that I think needs attention is this shoulder depth, this boundary crossover blending between our heart and throat chakra. So there's a lot of correlation there. What our heart feels, our throat needs to express. The magic of the throat is that it can release energy stuck from any other part of the biofield. But uh, if we're not able to express, we're holding that back, then it becomes, rather than our greatest healer and helper, 
becomes our bottleneck. <laughs> and we become a walking corpse with no brain or we become a floating head with no physical presence in reality. We don't want that. So we're gonna work on this bottleneck here, specifically at the range of the shoulders. And we'll start with this left side shoulder. And the belief that we wanna take on here about ourselves to replace the old belief is, I express my anger in the moment that I feel it. And the other thing we want to do is just go ahead and ask our, our heart, is there any sadness, grief, or loss, any sense of grief or loss that could come up for release? And the beauty of this right now is it is not required for you to viscerally feel or remember the trauma of any loss or grief for this to happen. Simply just ask your heart if there's any to be released, if there's something you remember that comes up that pops into your head that has been grieving you or did in the past, that's what it, that's what you needed to release right then. You don't have to necessarily cry tears. You don't necessarily have to remember trauma. Ask for the release and you will release something. You will integrate something. So we're going to start on this left side. The ability to express anger healthily and the release of any loss or grief. Bring your mind into this left shoulder and make the decision to let go of tension and watch it happen. The thing about letting go is you can't make yourself let go. Letting go just happens. You have to let it happen. You don't make it happen. You let it happen by asking for it. Ask and you shall receive. All right, that's good. Now we're gonna go over to the right side, the right shoulder. The right shoulder is all about our boundaries. <laughs> are you, if you're feeling tension in your right shoulder or pain, are you saying yes to things that you really wanna say no to? That is a big question. And this side also is gonna tie into unexpressed anger as well. They both will. But mostly let's just consider our boundaries here. We need to be able to say no 
and say yes. We need to be able to say no whenever it's right for us to say no. That's how you get what you want and not more of what you don't want. <laughs> and I know we've been programmed with altruism and self-sacrifice, but if we all sacrifice ourselves for each other, we're all sacrificed. In fact, we need to do what's radically right for ourselves. So I want you to repeat this mantra to yourself as we hit this fork in the spot. I say no when I need to. I say no when I need to. And it's just like that. Okay, we're gonna finish up with a little sacral chakra tuning, all right? So this is gonna to have to do with like, you know, are you having lower back pain potentially? Are you feeling stagnant in your ability to reach a flow state? Are you suffering from the belief that you're not creative? <laughs> These are all things that your sacral chakra governs, but most importantly, in my opinion, is your sense of self-worth. And this is different than self-esteem. Self-esteem and self-worth are definitely related, sacral and solar plexus, but your self-worth is like, am I asking for what I actually need? Am I asking for the value in return for the value that I'm giving that will help me be my best self, stay in flow, stay balanced? And that's what sacral chakra is asking us to achieve right now. If we are feeling this low back pain, if we're feeling this uh, stagnancy, if we're having digestive issues, um, you know, it governs a lot of, a lot of things, but specifically right now, the question I want you to look within about is, am I valuing myself or am I compromising my own value because I'm afraid that I need to, to survive? I'm afraid <laughs> is always the, is always the key question. So, uh, we'll start with this right side, the right side of your sacral chakra is going to govern the axis of back to that guilt and shame that motivates our our behavior on the right side of the root if we let it the actual feeling of i'm bad i'm guilty i'm shameful that is a sacral chakra uh, feeling and the healthy uh, other side of that the healthy polarity of that is rather than guilt or shame <laughs> self-worth self-love I'm not bad. I'm great. <laughs> so right here on this right side of the sacral chakra, if you're holding on to guilt or shame or uh, low self-worth, you're also going to 
create pain in your body because the, this lower back right side of your sacral chakra is how your energy body de decides whether it feels good to be in a body, whether it feels painful to be in a body, or whether it's numb, you're just numbed out. So if your body is uh, constantly achy, sore, painful, there could be a correlation to your self-worth. If your body is mostly numb, <laughs> there's definitely a correlation to your self-worth or a lack of self. And so I don't think that's probably gonna apply to many people here, but let's work on this right side here. And while we do it, just while I'm playing these tones, I want you to just mentally tell yourself reasons why you love yourself and why you're good. And we'll set those beliefs in with the, uh, the sound right here. about yourself can you get to a place where you love yourself without any reason can you see yourself as nature which is priceless and thus infinitely valuable The left side works on the axis of frustration, resentment, or satisfaction and contentment. It also governs our ability to reach and achieve a flow state. This is the mental energy that becomes physical creative action in the world. It's a very powerful center. And so as we tune up this left side of your sacral chakra, I want you to embrace your contentedness. I want you to ask your, your body, ask your sacral area, tune in to this lower belly area and ask, is there any resentment or frustration that can come up for release? Can I find a, a more harmonious and more total degree of satisfaction and contentment? Because like I said before, you are the tree of life. And you bear fruit whenever you are healthy. The bearing of fruit is the creative flow state, your creative output. You do not whip a tree into giving you fruit. You care for the tree, you tend the tree, you trim the tree where needed. And the fruit comes on its own. And that's you. You are this tree of life. And you do not need 
to be beat into your submission. So we're going to do this left side, and I want you to I want you to embrace contentedness, embrace wholeness, and ask for the release of any frustration or resentment. So what's funny is as we were uh, addressing this area that deals with frustration and resentment, our dog started scratching at the rug and making noise and being a dog. And we had the opportunity in that moment, <laughs> the two of us here in the room, to either feel frustrated, resent the dog, who's just being a dog, <laughs> or smile, laugh it off, and kind of distract him away from it and just move on. And I, for one, <laughs> I think I can speak for you, too, that uh, I did not resent the dog. I did not feel frustrated with the dog. The dog was just being a dog. And we moved through the energy of that moment quickly and resolved it. And I feel like that's a collective, you know, that's a representation of the collective feeling of frustration and feelings of resentment that we were clearing together. So... Thank our dog Mango for being that mirror for us, and it was wonderful. Now we're going to finish up here with some tones to open and clarify the crown and the third eye. So these are areas of our field, very ethereal, very light, not dense energy, very easy to balance and clear. So we're just going to play some tones that you can kind of wash yourself away in <laughs> and to you know add a little bit of polish and shine to your aura before we finish up here. So we can come in closer for this because these aren't as loud.
All right, everyone in the chat, definitely say thanks to my lovely assistant, JB. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my command station and uh, you know wrap up this talk with Michelle. So thank you, guys. Thank you so, so much. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> Hi. Wow. That was beautiful. All right. I'm going to remove them while he's walking through. Whoa. That was something else. I am feeling, feeling it. I feel tuned up. Wow. Oh my God. Awesome. I'm glad that that was good. Chance. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. It is my absolute pleasure. I love doing it. Oh my God. I, wow. I have Sorry so for going a bit over time. I, there's a tuning time warp that occurs and I had no idea how long it had been at that point. <laughs> You're good. I think we all were in the warp with you. I, wow. I feel like there's so much to talk about now. <laughs> like <laughs> I should have done even, it first. <laughs> woo, wow. I just keep hearing, I got chills. They're multiplying. <laughs> hearing in my head because I just have chills. I could feel that, especially at the end right there. That is some potent stuff. I felt that all through my body. I feel beautiful. I hope people in the chat are feeling the same way. I was checking that out. People are loving it. Very appreciative. Oh. Devin asked what were the last three frequencies. That was 693, 693, um, 852, 693, 852, and 963 together. Yeah, I should type it. That's easier to remember. Yeah, and then I can, if you type it in there, I'll put it up on the screen. Woo, wow. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you for, you know, letting me have a, a platform to do one of those group tunings. And I really hope that uh, we can someday do a one-on-one -on -one together. You know, maybe we can I, set up a trade. I would love to do that. I really would. And just from that group healing, I mean, I just know all night I'm going to have all sorts of thoughts that I'm thinking about and feeling. Sometimes after a tuning, people are like have dreams again and they weren't having dreams. I've heard that a bunch of times. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And what I was saying before we started is that the only time I've had sound baths, uh, I've one time had a friend of mine use tuning forks and then, you know, put them on the meridian lines and all that stuff. But I've never yeah, you can use tuning forks as an alternative to acupuncture needles. Yes. And that's basically what she what she did for me. So anyway, this was just beautiful. Your setup was gorgeous and everything else. So I just highly recommend people book with chance the link is in the description below to be able to book with him all of his links are down below uh, if you want to get in contact most people that are probably listening are probably well aware where to find you but for all those people who are going to tune in and maybe not know where to find you can you just give a rundown of where people can get a hold of you and connect yeah the interversepodcast.com email me chance at interversepodcast.com if you want to do a session there were a couple of questions, but I wanted to really quick answer Cody that where did I get my fork set? So the Solfeggio forks I use, I got from Omnivos. So O-M-N-I-V-O-S, Omnivos. And I also hear good things about Medivibe, Medivibe. So those are a couple of fork producers to check out. My big fork came from the big one that I use for most of it. 
comes from tunedearth.com, I believe, or Earth Tuned. Tuned Earth, Earth Tuned. <laughs> I do not need a better cameraman. Jennifer was wonderful. <laughs> she did great. That's way better. Last time I did one of these, I was alone here in the house and like I just had a laptop set up to face myself and I was doing it all alone and it was way harder. I had a lot better flow state and a lot more fun with her operating the camera. So thank you, darling. <laughs> Much yeah. better. I say you are a wonderful camera operator and there was no complaints on anybody's end that I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, yeah, wow. I've, I've, I'm feeling it too. I really loved having this conversation. It feels like we just started and it's been over two hours. I guess we can wrap up if you want. I'm having fun now. <laughs> no, I feel the same way and I feel like it went really fast. I feel like we got into flow state, which was beautiful. Um, and yeah, again, I'm just so grateful for you, Chance. I'm grateful for your time, grateful for the healing that you just gave all of us and all of the things that we get to journey through together in the future. I um, can't be more excited. Yeah, for we're it. just getting started. You That's, know, this is yes, the beginning of the story. I agree 100%. Well, awesome. Oh, one last question here. We have... Uh, oh, what? the candles do so much weird stuff. Okay, she says, <laughs> do the colored candles burn at different rates during a tuning? Yes. Yes. The candles do funny things like will go out at weird moments that have to do with that chakra or the flame will just get like way bigger whenever like definitely weird stuff happens with the candles. That's one of the reasons I use them because it's like another I consider it like, okay, if those are representing the wheels of energy that are our chakras and those candles are flames, it's living flames are alive. That's life force energy in, you know, animated flame, dude. It's doing its own thing. That's why I use them. <laughs> I'm like, I want that living energy to be present on the table in front of me. It's sort of like, you know, if you had a body in front of you, it's a warm body. They're alive. There's heat. So that's part of why I use the candles. And yes, they do interesting things for sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, how many times I mean, I've even had it where you're having a, a very potent conversation with somebody you have a candle going and the candle just goes out. You know, it's almost yep, that'll like happen in the tunings for sure. Yeah, to take it as some sort of confirmation or yeah, you're hitting on something, something is being hit on that wants to be hit on. So kind of keep going with that flow. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, awesome. I, uh, I think that, uh, yeah, we can wrap her up. And uh, I've got a few. If you insist. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will definitely be doing this again. And I also I would love to even just do another um, episode where we focus on sound healing, because I feel like I have even more questions for you. And sure, I'm down any time. We can definitely get into this again. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I just I really feel this is one of your strong, strong suits that you have. And you're doing such great work. And you are in my eyes and heart, the sound shaman. You're my sound shaman. And I appreciate you very much. And I just I just love you. I love you very much. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. And the last thing I'm going to say is I've only been doing this tuning work, you know, regularly like really regularly for a year experimenting with it since 2019 so i want people to get that that uh, i i appreciate the praise but anybody could i think anybody could learn to do this it i do i think i want i don't want to be the special guy doing the forks i want lots i want people tuning each other to be as common knowledge as how to do your laundry I really do. So I, I will hope that this encourages people to 
pick up some forks, get work on themselves with it, do whatever. You know, sometimes you might be put off by the cost, but just start with a sonic slider. It's an investment that is not that huge. You know, if you get an attachment, maybe you're going to spend a hundred bucks, but you'll have it forever. For like 150 bucks, you can get a whole set of Solfeggio forks, but hear this, you do not need nine forks. I could do everything that I wanted to do with a 174 or a 144 or any fork, but the lower end, you know, 174 or 144, the lower end, easier to hear differences in the pitch and the tone whenever you hit energy pockets. So it's a really good starter training fork, if you will. It is not about the sound. It is not about how well you can hear it. It's not about how well they can hear it. It is about your intention and your attention. <laughs> it's about those two things. The forks become a tool to amplify both your attention and your intention. And then, you know, you find some things and you get honest about it and you change the beliefs that you hold and you accept yourself as the wholeness that you are, as the being, you know, the infinite <laughs> child of the supreme being that you are. So that I hope people get that. Like, thank you for the praise. I do think I have a knack for it, but I do also think anybody could benefit from this modality and could learn to do it. And that's what I I really authentically want everybody to be i want so many people to know how to do this that no one comes to me anymore <laughs> as much as i like doing them i do like it but that's legitimately what i want oh, i love that and i that's one of my big things too i just love hearing when other people want to share their knowledge so that somebody else can carry it on and learn it for themselves and apply it to their life and then it just ripples out like like it does in the water. It will just ripple and continue to spread the healing joy, spread the healing benefits and the knowledge that comes from it. That's what this whole channel is about is to just be sharing and really getting down to the nitty gritty of what is in our being that is asking to be healed. What's coming up to be healed. It's one of the questions I ask myself almost every single day, <laughs> but I love that. Michelle, I love you're it. so awesome. Seriously. Oh man, thank you. How <laughs> are you, dude? And I just really appreciate that you're like really wanting to inspire people to do this on their own because that is what it's all about. It, the the personal empowerment that comes from knowing that you have all the power to heal yourself and then you can bring in these different modalities, whether they're tuning forks or plants or healthy water or healthy thoughts, whatever it be. Um, it all works together and it's just a, another piece of the pie. So awesome. Yeah, please have me back. We'll do it again. I you know I'm going to sure. have you back on my channel <laughs> like at least 10 times next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm very stoked for Capricorn Herbs we'll be doing with Kyle and Vibrant. I the wheels are turning, the notes are being written, the books are open. So yeah, we'll we'll have a good Capricorn uh herb rundown for sure. So uh as I let you go, I've got a couple announcements for anyone that wants to stick around, but otherwise we will say good evening to Chance and thank you again, brother, and we'll uh talk to you soon. Good night, everybody. Thank you for having me. I appreciate all the awesome chatters. It's the, you know, the regular crew. Love y'all. Yep. Same here. Thank you, guys. Alrighty. Well, thank you all for hanging in there. Thank you for just being you and being in the chat and having that lovely healing that we all got to get started with Chance here. So I'm going to bring up just a few slides, just a couple announcements for you guys. So uh, let me get the full screen. Here we go. All right. So next week, 
I've got legs of Bear Lake Alchemy and the False Reality Check Podcast. I am so excited for this episode. I love legs. I love Buffalo. I love what they're doing. I've been, again, kind of met them around the same time as I met Chance and just really, really love what they're what they're up to. They're living in Idaho. They've come a long way. They've had a journey of just leaving um, their place that they were living in California, just saying, let's do it, go to Idaho and get this stuff going. And they're doing it. And that's one of the reasons why I really want to have legs on so she can talk to us about her journey of doing that and getting chickens and homesteading and all of these beautiful things that are just really working to bring more healing to the world and ourselves and everyone around us. So that'll be next week here, same place, same time, 4 p.m. going live. That's January 3rd. And I just wanted to let people know that I have soap and shampoo that is now available and fully cured and ready to go. Um, I have been just honing in on my soap craft um, and everything is just really coming out better and better and better each batch. I'm very, very excited about it. And so as far as that goes, you can see this up here on the top of the list. I'll just run through some of the new stuff. Uh, CBD body butter that is selling really well. Great reviews on that. Shampoo bar is comfrey nettle and pine. So it's really lovely for just overall scalp and hair health. There's a pine resin oil in there that's very, very uh, beautiful and healing that my friend, actually, he um, he gathered pine resin on some of his journeys last summer and gave me this huge bounty of pine resin. And so uh, with that magical pine resin, I um, infused that into an oil and then I incorporated in that into the shampoo bar. Uh, oat and honey soap, which is lovely as well. It's one of my favorite ones. Very comforting, very warming scents. There is raw honey in there and oats, which is just lovely for the skin. Um, it has this really nice um, scent profile to it. It almost like reminds me of like a, a baked good. It's got cinnamon and um, just lovely. It's got oats for exfoliation that's actually inside of the bar. And that's a really great one. And then last but not least, calendula salt soap. This is a doozy in the best of ways. So salt soap sometimes uh, seems weird to people, but one of the most awesome properties about the salt soap is that it's cleansing not only to your body, like physically, but on an energetic level. So here we're talking about all the sounds and our fields and our auras and all that stuff. Dudes, the salt soap is the way to go. Just like you would hear, you know, you, you have salt around and you make a salt circle to, you know, has protection or you take a salt bath when you're feeling like you need a little cleansing or just a little bit more protection. That's what that salt soap does. And with the calendula in there, it's beautiful. It has a very um, lively scent to it. Um, there's some orange in there. There's some patchouli, but it blends really well. It's not like a patchouli bomb or anything, but it's just a really great, um, lively, uplifting scent going along with the theme of calendula, bringing that golden sun, vibrant energy. So if you guys are interested in any of those remedies or maybe booking a consultation with me, maybe you want to just talk herbs, maybe you want to learn how to make certain things, maybe you want to learn how to make your own soap, we could do a soap uh, consultation. So you can reach out to me, uh, michelleshealinghome.com. Uh, email me, michelleshealinghome at gmail. 
Instagram, Michelle's Healing Home. I'm also on Telegram as well. You can text me 503-568-1569. And with all of that said, I just want to say thank you again for hanging out with me on a Tuesday afternoon into the evening. What a lovely episode. What a lovely crew. I'm just so grateful. So thank you guys. And I hope to see you next week when we interview legs and we get into what they're doing and love to love to you all have a lovely evening and I will talk to you real soon.